Hey y'all, welcome back to Hour 3 here on the Thursday, June 2nd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Moose Podcast. Uh, this is the final hour on today's program, so thank you for sticking around. And if you missed uh, any of the earlier uh, portions of today's show, guess what? You can find them all on this very feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts, uh, Fangraphs with John Taylor. Um on all things major league baseball on part two earlier on this feed and then of course uh the great uh light years andy lou on the golden state warriors in the nba finals and their matchup with the celtics that kicks off tonight on this uh on this thursday so uh full ride with matt green on all things college football uh we talk about the sugar bowl moving we talk about tennessee's big recruiting weekend uh we talk about uh, the sec switching to a nine three model uh for nine conference games three consistent rivalries it seems like that's where we're going in college football in the not too distant future when texas and oklahoma move over and then we do our acc conference champion predictions uh as uh, based on the current betting odds where uh, the odds are not good for the duke blue devils in 2022 but we shall see uh all that more coming up on the full ride here on hour three on uh today's edition of the chase Most podcast so thank you for sticking around and don't forget folks you can watch us on youtube so make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the youtube page youtube.com type in the chase, chase thomas podcast you'll find us there like and subscribe and uh, check out all of our great video content on that front uh, you can tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer email the program at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com and of course uh, subscribe to all my sports writing over at sports renaissance man dot substack dot com again that is sports renaissance man dot substack dot com all right uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right we're back here on the full ride the chase thomas podcast with fellow university of north georgia alumni matt green rocking a dave matthews band t-shirt is that what i'm seeing yes sir a little baby Oh, old Dave Matthews? Oh, you got? Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't like Dave? I no. I, it was just that response of a li- like whatever you just did with the guitar and the the loud. Chord. I think I that was like a happened. little Andy Dwyer, if I'm being honest. He had he has a few little uh, Dave Matthews little, little tributes throughout the yeah. seasons of Parks and Rec. Can you play guitar? No, I, I can't play any instruments. Yeah. Did you ever do band or anything like that growing up? Did you ever I try? Didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't do it. I, I got kicked out of band after two days. In middle school mm. they said i was so talentless that i needed to do something else i kid you not <laughs> i tried they like the thing in band in wow. middle school i That's... never wanted to do it to begin with i'm just not a music guy and i never wanted to do it my parents when i was younger it was all about like well you can't just do sports and everything like that just cannot be your everyday curriculum curriculum and uh they tried to expand my horizons and little did they know uh, God had other other plans because my, my devs say the same thing, man, all mm-hmm. the time. It's like really because I'm pretty sure you're like recalling like the '72 Lakers starting five. Like you, yeah. Where do you think I got this from, bro? I think they just want it to be different. But it's like you you're fighting your genetics and everything else. It's like it's not going to happen. It, I'm not going to be a clarinet guy. It's just not going to be a thing. One year for for Christmas, <clears throat> we were in a thrift store. And I just like randomly found some like preview magazine, like mm. NBA 
1971 preview or something. I was like, I bet my dad will like this. And it's like, Tori's like, you can't just get him some random <laughs> thing. And he's like, he was looking at that all day. He's like, you see this? Like, Bill Walton? And it just all different kinds of stuff. Just going down yeah. memory lane. It's like, yeah, that's, that's you raised me. This is, this is what you get. It's the Twitter thing. The most true thing about men is men will literally sit around all day naming uh, sports players. That's like That's true. That really is what we do. We could do that all day. Um, it's kind of what podcasting is, I guess, really in a nutshell. It's just like, here's a bunch of stuff that we remember. Um, Matt Green, 93 days until college football. Is that where we're at right now as we're recording this late on a Wednesday? Yes, sir. Well, technically, once the listeners, once it's out here in the in the universe, Ooh. June 2nd, Thursday, will okay. be 93 days uh, mm. until the college football season. So I was thinking... Who's the greatest 93 in the history of college football? Is there anyone that comes to mind for you? Well, we talked off air, so I know it, mine's already kind of spoiled because I think it's Sue, Adamkin Sue. But Oh, yeah. So uh, I thought of Richard Seymour. It's a good one. Ooh, not NFL bad. Hall of Famer, Georgia, mm. Georgia great, as well as uh, Jonathan Allen at Alabama. He was a, a kind of forgotten, yeah. He was a force that year. Yeah. I would say he was probably the best player on that defense that was – the ones scoring all the points that they would have been like six and six if their offense didn't score a touchdown or some crazy stat like that. How many how many uh, touchdowns that Alabama? It was like 2015, 2016 scored. Mm. Um, but yes, the best number ninety three number ninety three of all time in Dominican Sue. I think uh, it's fair to say his for an interior lineman his senior mm. year two thousand nine just absurd. Like if a defensive lineman is ever going to win the the Heisman, like that was it. 2009 yeah. was was what Bradford? No, mm. Bradford was 08. Would have been Tebow. Shoot. Who's 2009? I'm just saying this off the. No, Tebow was 07. Bradford 08. Shoot. Was it an Ohio State guy? Uh, oh, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Okay. So, um, if I like, if a defensive line was ever going to win the Heisman, it was definitely uh, Sue. 20 tackles for loss, 12 sacks. He was just absurd that year. Hmm. But it got me digging even more on the 93 theme here. Mm-hmm. I had to go to Mr. 9 and 3, Uh-oh. which is Bo Pelini, sir. Mm. Are you aware of what Bo Pelini did in his time at Nebraska? Like, it's crazy. Like, you remember that famous clip, right? That kind of led to him getting fired from Nebraska mm-hmm. when he's just basically just roasting the fans. Like, I don't know who these guys <laughs> think what they think we're supposed to do like Mm. he was a hundred percent right like i'm not sure what nebraska fans expected bo pelini to do i started looking at this man seven seasons he was at nebraska went nine and three four of those times in the regular season they went nine and four ten and four ten and four nine and four ten and four nine and four (laughs) nine and three gets fired like just insane the level of consistency he had at while he was at Nebraska. Like mm-hmm. since then, he was sixty six and twenty seven in seven years. Since then, Nebraska is why am I finding thirty four and forty eight. Yikes! Like just insane what they had with Bo Pelini that they were like, no, we. They, they thought they were Georgia with Mark Richt, right? They're like, no, we can do better than this, and Georgia yeah. was right; they could do better than that. Nebraska was not right. It's they like could... Wake being like, all right, the claw offense, we've had enough. We're ready for the big time. We're going to go get uh, 
Todd Monken. We're going to go upgrade and just really dive into the SEC and run an SEC type model. And it's like, no, no. Be it grateful really that you have Dave Glosson. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. Like Northwestern being like, Pat Fitzgerald, we expect you to be competitive more than once every four years. It's like, mm-hmm. really? What else do you want this <laughs> team to do other than be relevant once every four years? Yeah. So it's like, just be glad you got a good guy. But yeah, I was in, I was blown away of just how many, like, not only just nine and three, like multiple 10 and two seasons where they, they lose the conference championship, lose the bowl game. Mm. He played for three conference titles in seven mm. years, two big 12 championships. And he played for a, a big 10 championship. Like they didn't win any of them, but like, it's just crazy. Like his level of consistency finished ranked four times in seven years. Like mm. they haven't finished ranked once since Bo Pelini left. Like it's, like we thought, people thought that was a that was a down time, year or era for Nebraska football. They had no idea what was coming. I've always been impartial to Sean Ellis, uh, the the vault for uh, vault for life. Sean Ellis at the number ninety spot. You know who's actually kind of forgotten? Who I was thinking of? I was like, I thought it was Gaines Adams, but it was actually DeQuan Bowers was the Clemson ninety three that I was thinking of. Is that right? I was definitely thinking Gaines Adams was 93, too. Okay, I'm glad I'm not crazy, because Daquan Bowers was wearing 93 in the one I looked at, and I was like, I could have sworn Gaines Adams was 93, too. Because when I picture Gaines Adams, I think of him taking... He was 93, too. They were both 93. Okay, yeah. Taking, like, a a fumble or, like, an interception, like, 70 yards versus, like, Wake Forest or something. Like, some some random game. Because he was a big-time, like... He was. I feel huge, like he was man. kind of a bust. Like he was like his senior year. I feel like he was supposed to be like a first team All American, and I feel yeah. like he kind of, kind of fell off after that. But but yeah, he was. What did he do in the NFL? I don't know. Was he good? I'm, I can't no, even I mean, unfortunately, he passed away a long <laughs> oh, time ago. Oh, is that ago. right? Yeah, he was someone who passed away. Let me see. Okay, yeah, he passed away in 2010. Oh damn! I did not realize that. So yeah. R.I.P. He, uh, Don't wanna but he was huge, six six. Like he was gigantic. He had. Let me see this. Like Gaines Adams, he was a first round pick. Yeah, he went fourth overall in 07 to the, the Bucks. To the Bucks, yeah. But he only okay. played in the NFL for three years. Um, it was, uh, man, yeah. His college numbers were wild, and his measurables, like that guy, he um, he had the look of just a, a really, really great talent. He's a big dude. Um, but really, really sad. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's what games. I'm thinking of. He had a big, he had a huge senior year, and then mm-hmm. it was a uh, kind of a disappointing, obviously, NFL career. But also in in related mm-hmm. RIP news, I guess you heard of the, the other guy today that passed away. One of one of my favorite, half of one of my favorite running back duos of all time. Oh, Marion Barber, the Golden Gophers, Marion yeah. Barber the third. Yeah, he passed away today. So. That was super sad because I remember that tweet from Dez Bryant last year where someone sent him a video of Marion uh, dominating with the Cowboys early on, and he was just like, it's just sad. I came and watched these videos because I just know the kind of situation that Marion's in uh, at the moment. So it was it, it had been a tumultuous last couple of years, man. So thoughts and uh, prayers with his family because it was just – that's just sad. Too young. Yeah. Too young, that man, he ran angry. That duo, played, like, him that and Lawrence Maroney. Lawrence Maroney, yeah, that was uh, they were tough. 
back in the Astrodome days. That's when they were playing in that full dome. Or Metrodome, yeah. And it was super dark in there. I remember watching games, and it was just like, can they get some lighting here? It's just a yes. dark atmosphere. It was a gloomy, gloomy situation in Minnesota football in those early 2000s. But the two-headed monster, you never know. That was like... But that's something that we talk about with the portal is like, I'm just so worried that that's just going to go away Um, where it's just like these random schools just have, oh, we're just going to have Minnesota is just going to have the coolest running back room in football one year. That is it. What what are we talking about? And now it's like it'll all it'll all work itself out. There'll be uh, there'll be teams. Obviously, you're going to have guys like, nah, I want to be the number one guy. Yeah. But like. Well, what I'm saying is they'll just leave. Like if Marion Barber and Lawrence Maroney have they both break out that year. Do they one of them transfer the next year? Because no, like, I want to be the lead back. Yeah. Um. We'll see. We'll see. Matt Green. Um. I have some Nigel the Nighthawk news who dropped some stuff off for us. Uh. The Sugar Bowl moved to New Year's Eve because of a conflict uh, to avoid a conflict with an NFL game. What do you What do you think about that? Yeah. I um. I like that it's going to be on Saturday now. Mm-hmm. Um. It was weird. Why would it ever be on? Like, why would it – so they're saying it was supposed to be on Monday night, essentially, yes. right? On the 2nd. Yeah. Like, that seems like a weird time for it to be anyway. Like, why are we putting in a college games on Monday night? I wish all of these games would be on Saturday. You know, at least all the good uh, all the good uh, college uh, bowl games would be on on Saturday. Like, if you want to just fill, fill time with the, the Emerald Nut Bowl or whatever, like, yeah, I don't even know if that's a sponsor anymore. But yeah, um, I don't even know what – that's not the name of the company. But you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because I feel like they've – typically, if I'm remembering right, it feels like the playoff kind of gets its own day, that none mm-hmm. of the games will be the same game as, game as the playoff. But I feel like this – I mean, it's going to be an awesome day for college football, right? We get the Sugar Bowl at noon – and then whichever Peach Bowl Fiesta Bowl at like four and eight, like that's going to be just an incredible day for college football. Speaking of an incredible day of college football, really an incredible time to be on Rocky Top, as you know, with being in everything school and uh, <laughs> the amount of success. The first SEC team to uh, win the uh, basketball and baseball conference tournament in the same season. Uh, pretty wild stuff. Uh, dominance across the board. This Tennessee team as regionals comes up here in Knoxville over the weekend. Have the opportunity to uh, put together the single best college baseball season of all time if they can finish the drill here. But uh, they have just as many. Here's a crazy stat for you, Matt. They have 141 home runs this season, right? They've given up 141 runs altogether. They have just as many home wow. runs as runs they've given up. Like, it's just silly silly what's going on in rocky top the danny white vibes could not could not be better um and the reason i bring all that up outside of the fact that the everything school is very much in motion here um i don't i lost track we had like three or four in there for those keeping along counting at home uh shout out to graham coffee and friends who do keep uh track at home and everything else so uh rocky top palooza happened over the weekend and it was a gigantic recruiting weekend over the holiday weekend is that really what it was called yes and <laughs> nico came in uh, francis mawa maui goa the five-star kid out of img um chandavian bradley came in uh we had rico walker carnell tate came in a couple weeks ago so he is still doing like the individual thing i think he's gonna come in one more time this summer i think deshaun bishop was there this weekend um lucas simmons was there this weekend 
uh, a lot of five stars. And Tennessee is now, per on three, favored to land Francis, Carnell, and Chandavian, all in this 2023 class. It's already in the top seven. It's looking more and more like uh, Matt Green that Tennessee will finish somewhere in the top five in the 2023 recruiting class. And this weekend was, by all accounts, just a gigantic win because it wasn't any ball. Like, it was all just having fun and having stuff for the kids to just have fun with this class. And it was actually, like, it it was just a great idea to, like, get all these five stars uh, on campus at the same time and hang out with everybody. And it it helps when you have a five-star Nico already locked and loaded, but um, just exactly what they needed to kind of make sure that they finish strong here and land a... Uh, top five class because the momentum's there. Uh, you heard that uh, I think it was Eric Cole on Locked On Balls uh, talked to some I think different programs and coaches around the around the country about like who's the who's leading the pack in NIL collectives and like who's running things. And number one being A and M, number two Tennessee, then Georgia at number three. But there's like a distance between like A and M and Tennessee are like running away with it right now. And then. Uh, George is right there and Bama is not far behind them. And then there's like this huge drop off. Like it's those four in the SEC. And then it's just like, boom, like there's not like they're playing catch up. And you read the quotes from uh, Kentucky this week and their AD. And you're like, oh man. And I was talking, and I was talking to Auburn lives uh, um, uh, reporter last week and talking about like, they're just going to take it slow with an IL with Brian Harson. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was Austin price said on the ball quest podcast i think last week uh really great uh tennessee insider was that like um i just lost my train of thought oh my god i just lost my train of thought <laughs> why did i oh my goodness they just zapped it, this is what happens when you're recruiting late it's in there um but ultimately they did really well it will come to me in a second but um what do you make of tennessee's big weekend and uh trending in the right direction for the top five yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, I, even without NIL being a factor, it, it feels like Tennessee is that you know sleeping giant program that, that is on the right track. And so this seems like the logical team to, to have some momentum in the recruiting landscape. You know, like a, a big first year. I mean, not a huge first year, but a solid first year from, from Josh Heupel. Like at least something worth getting excited oh, about. by the way, I just remembered. Sorry, I'm going to forget it again. Uh, talking yeah. about Harson, it had to do with Go Auburn. It. it had to do with Auburn, and he was like, "People are using um, recruiting like the reason Auburn's getting killed in recruiting right now is that Auburn every like every coach in the SEC can just be like, he's not going to be there next year. Like it's one of those things where you can't bring in anybody yeah, because sure. no one expects him to be around. So Auburn's kind of screwed because they are not committing to him full time, and it's like the every coach around the league and they get them in the room like you're thinking about Auburn." dude's not going to be there next year. It's going to be a whole different staff. And that was something he said, like also people use against Tennessee the year prior where it's like, what's going on Pruitt. And then a late hire with Heupel, he hasn't played anything. And then that's why like everyone got pulled in the portal. It's just that like Tennessee had no leverage and everyone could just be like, you can't, what it's a dumpster fire. What can you do there right now? Like you got to get out of there. So that was the thing about Auburn is like Auburn's kind of screwed for the foreseeable future because there's no path. Uh, to them getting these commitments from any of these guys because the top guys, because there's just uh, every other team can be like, they're not going to be there next year. So are you really going to do that? Yeah, I think, uh, and it makes sense, right? Like what, what else would you tell someone? Like, I think, Mm -hmm. I think we both sit here today and like, yeah, it's, 
a greater than 50% chance that Harson is, is not back next year. It, it feels like right now, at least. So, well, I yeah. did write about it last week where like he, there's a case that Auburn's the chaos team. And I wrote about like why, and like when you look at their schedule and like they get to burn Georgia and Bam on the road. So they get their important games at home. They got a lot of winnable game toss up games at home. If they beat Penn state, and then they beat like an Arkansas who only returns like nine starters altogether next year. They take down Ole Miss. They don't blow the Mississippi State game like they did a year ago. Suddenly Auburn's a chaos team, and they're like they could just Auburn's surprise. schedule is just so absurd. Like yeah. it's like it's almost like this is why Malzahn didn't get fired after a lot of like four or five lost seasons because it's like. Yeah, but don't you remember all those good wins we had? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we had a lot of great moments too. But we just we play seven, eight ranked teams a season, and we lose to half of them. Like, it, it feels like every year, and then they and then they usually end up getting upset by someone in there too. So it's 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 so hard to judge Auburn because like no one has to deal with just the the direct rivals, just immediate rivals right there on their borders like uh like Auburn does and inside their borders like Auburn does. So it's and then they they've definitely not shied away from from scheduling big time non-conference games too. So their schedule's just been absurd for basically like the last like 6 7 years just every single season. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens there. Uh they're bound they're, to ruin somebody's season though yes. in, in terms of creating chaos. They they're going to they're going to win some They almost games. did it to Bama last year. They were exactly. yeah, unbelievably sure. close um, to doing that. Um, Matt, you had some scheduling stuff because the the portal. I mean, well, the portal and, and transfer stuff like that's still being worked on, and the all the coaches are in Destin this week. And Kiffin had his perspective. Kirby had his perspective. Reading different folks on what they actually want. There's still just no unanimous take on that, and I'm kind of concerned that there's not going to be any real changes to the portal windows. Uh, anytime soon because it seems like a lot of different people are on different pages with that right now um but what does seem to be uh clear is that we're going to the three uh the three consistent locked in rivals and then the rotation of a nine game conference schedule um once texas and oklahoma enter this conference is that about where you're at and you and explain what you did with your graphic i like it that's what I'm thinking for sure. So the one thing we know is the pods are not going to happen. So I'm yeah. I'm popping champagne over here. I was not a pod fan because I'm just like, what if you get in a weak pod? You not, know, how not podcast, they... not like the Chase Thomas podcast. Those pods, yeah, you're big, a big, big pod, pod guy. fan of that mm-hmm. of sh- for sure. But yeah, I was I was so against the pods. So I'm glad it's basically down to either the one seven schedule rotation which would keep it at an eight-game conference schedule, which that's the one thing that worries me is, like, the SEC has been so just adamant about keeping that eight-game conference schedule mm. that they might go with that 1-7 rotation, which is the one locked opponent, and then rotate the other seven, seven in, seven out, so you're playing everybody in two years. I do love both of these sk- formats. Mm. Everybody is playing everybody twice in a four-year span. Like, and that is just awesome. Like, we're all in the same conference now, if that's the case. Mm. So, but yes, I'm in favor of the 3-6 model where you have the three locked rivals and then the six teams rotate in and out. And then you would have to go to a nine-game conference schedule in order to do that. But I just feel like 
a nine-game conference schedule, like everyone's going to have a gauntlet for sure. It's just it's mm-hmm. going to be insane, but it's going to be worth it. It's just going to be a way better product for the fans. Like you could see some teams shy away from some of those big-time out-of-conference games because of a ninth SEC game. Like I don't, I'm not crazy about that. Like are Georgia and Oregon scheduling this game? Or is Florida willing to go to Utah if they're playing nine conference games? Like I don't know. We might see less of those but i also kind of think it's worth it because the sec is just that good that it's like we're going to have more compelling sec games i wonder if a casualty could also be those those locked rivals that teams have at the the end of the season with florida Mm -hmm. state and georgia tech and clemson if you're now playing nine conference games i do worry a little bit about those games going away but for Georgia and Georgia Tech, it's like, yeah, whatever. Get rid of the game. I don't think anyone cares. But Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson, even Kentucky, Louisville, like those would be bad games to get rid of. And I think ultimately that's why the 3-6 model just works so much better than the 1-7. Because if you if you go to 1-7, everyone only has one direct rival, right? Yeah. Like who's, who's Tennessee's biggest rival? Like Florida, Alabama? All neither time of those it's Alabama. Teams, neither oh, of those yeah. teams would be Tennessee would be Tennessee would not be their first rival, right? Georgia right. and Florida would be locked up, Auburn Alabama would be locked True. up. So Tennessee's locked rival is Vanderbilt. It's like Ugh. like yeah, you're not getting Georgia Tennessee or you're not getting Georgia Tennessee every year. You're not getting Florida Tennessee every year. You wouldn't be getting Alabama LSU every year. Like there's some of those games, Georgia Auburn there's some of those games, like, regardless of what we do to the schedule, like, we have to keep those traditional rivalries. I think that's kind of the best thing college football has going for it. Like, these rivalries are kind of the, I don't know, just the, what's the term, the phrase, the blood, the blood life of the sport? I might be getting The that. lifeblood. Lifeblood. There you go. Mm-hmm. Getting that wrong. But, yeah, I just feel like rivalries are that important. I think if you went 1-7, like, you're, granted, you're still playing everybody twice. You're playing everybody in a two-year uh, time frame yeah but just some of those games like we're already gonna lose like yeah what, what you said with my scheduling format i sent you like you're already gonna lose some games like georgia tennessee like mm-hmm. just because there's there's gonna be casualties like with tennessee's locked rivals being vanderbilt florida and kentucky like you're you're gonna try to keep as many of those like with georgia playing florida auburn and south carolina like you can you can keep a lot of the the tradition that we have Mm-hmm. And and instill everybody playing everybody in two years. So I think I think ultimately the three six model is going to be what wins out. I think that's what kind of has the most momentum at this point. Well, based on your locks and your like lock one, lock two, lock three, um, for what you are putting out, I agree with the vast majority. I do think when you look, think about it, who do you, like for me? I think the team that gets kind of screwed, or you look at it and you're like, oof, that's rough for them, is Texas. Texas, you're like, oh god. If your locked-in rivals are Arkansas, A&M, and Oklahoma, that's just like your locked-in rivals and you rotate everybody else, you're like, oh, God. It could be really ugly really quickly for the for the Longhorns. No, without a doubt. But it's like you go looking through a lot of these, and it's like Alabama's got Auburn, LSU, and Ole Miss. Georgia's got Florida, Auburn. South Carolina's not as strong. but like, And, and I think that's what makes this – model so so good is like i think if you look at all these kentucky's clearly got the weakest uh, yes. locks of the three south carolina vanderbilt but you have tennessee in there mm-hmm. 
But it's like, then if you look at who there's in their rotation, like, their their schedule's a gauntlet still. It's like you're going to have Oklahoma and Florida and, and Texas on your schedule, and then Alabama and Georgia and LSU the next year. It's like, so you're not going to hide from anybody with this rotation in general, and I think just having the locked rivals, like, there's just there's certain teams you just have to play every year. Like, like, like the Golden Boot, LSU, Arkansas, like they're not each other's number one rival, but that's a game that just you, you got to play that game. Like that's it's. It just, would be interesting though. You have Tennessee dropping Alabama as one of their three, and I would be pretty surprised if Alabama is not one of the three for Tennessee. That I would is be true. surprised, and it's tough once you're going through all of them. It's tough to know exactly because I feel like Tennessee's number one rival feels like Florida to me. Like that's just I kind would, of. I mean, it's just the most pressure-filled. <laughs> like, that's the most pressure-filled game. Uh, but I would say, I mean, I guess it probably is. Um, I think it's the most hated rival. I don't know if it's the best, but Tennessee fans hate Florida more than any other fan base. So it's the I most think passionate. more than anything, it's, I feel like Tennessee feels like Kentucky's biggest rival. Right? Like, who are Kentucky's rivals? Kentucky's biggest rival is Tennessee. Like, but Tennessee's biggest that's... rival is not Kentucky. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah it's like the Mad Men scene where it's like, uh, I feel sorry for you, and it's like, and Don Draper's like, I don't think about you at all, and it, <laughs> that's how it is with Tennessee, Kentucky, where it's like, no, there's just there's... exactly. So it's like, who who do you put as Kentucky's locked rivals? Like Vanderbilt's locked rivals, right? Like Tennessee, Vanderbilt just has to be one. Who did you have for Kentucky? State. Kentucky has South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean it's tough because like you could sell me on Missouri getting in there uh maybe as like a give them a midwest type deal but i don't know like kentucky there's not really a great answer but i think i would probably if i had to guess if i had to guess what the three is and we're going to three i would guess tennessee's is um kentucky vanderbilt and alabama that's what i would guess i would I'd put a pretty healthy amount down on those See, so no florida tennessee Mm-mm. see i don't know about that i mean i'm not disagreeing I'll... like it's not what i want what i what i'm saying is yeah. what i think is going to be the three yeah, I could see it. I um, just I feel like Florida. That I, Florida. Tennessee I'm not gonna lie. Getting Florida first. and Georgia off my yearly calendar doesn't sound that bad for for. A see, couple of Tennessee years. football, like without playing Florida and Georgia every year, like there's just there's something that just doesn't sit right about yeah. that with me. Like Oklahoma's another tough one because it's like. But if I get to punt like a Georgia game for an Oklahoma coming to Knoxville, like I don't. Or Tennessee fans, like if you get nine conference games out of this and a good, at least one or two good non-conference, like that's just an amazing schedule. People won't harp on losing some of those locked in four to five rivalries if you're getting uh, more of that diversity. Because I think that's what people want. Like they want more of those games, but it's critical that those are not neutral site. For sure. But I think the one thing is it's like, I'm done with like the good faith scheduling. Like... Mm. Four four games just too much too much room too much wiggle room for mm. like some teams want to be competitive with these four games and others just want to find four wins. Mm. So removing the the power from these athletic departments on like finding wins against Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee State that they can get like I'm all for that. And so having a ninth conference game, I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. If, if the SEC wants to go to nine conference games or if they want to stay at eight, and I mean. You know, you could you could make a good argument either way. I think the uh, I think losing some of these rivalries is just is too much to. It's just too big of a loss, personally. Like we're just seeing so many changes in college football. Like we, 
Auburn and Georgia have played for like 126 years in a row or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like we can't we can't be ending rivalries like that uh, every year. Like they obviously would play every other year, but I don't know. I just we can't be doing that. Yeah. Um, it's time for our ACC conference winner conversation, Matt Green. Um, we've done the Big Ten. We've done the SEC. Now it's time to do the ACC, where the Clemson Tigers come in as the favorites who did not play and participate in the 2021 uh, ACC title game. That was between Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. Uh, Call me crazy, but I don't think we'll see that matchup in the ACC championship game in our lifetime ever again. I think that was a one-time deal would be my guess. Never again? I don't think so, no. Too random. Wake's never getting back. I, I just the idea. Hey, wakes. That's what their second one, right? Like they yeah. were second or third. No, no, second. Maybe, Maybe second. second. That one year with um Riley played Skinner. Georgia Tech, right? They yeah, did play Riley, Georgia Tech in it. Riley Skinner. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a good pool right there. That was like in Jacksonville, right? I just remember yes. that game being like Jacksonville. That that field in like December, mm. January. It's just terrible. I feel like every. Every Gator Bowl and every like ACC championship, and when it was in Jacksonville, just the field just looks disgusting. Like it's just been destroyed. Like I guess it's the Tax Slayer Bowl now. Mm. Um, yeah, it's the field always looks terrible. Um, well, we've got Clemson one, we've got Miami two at plus six hundred. This is all coming uh, courteous of FanDuel. Um, NC State plus eight hundred at number three. Love that one. Not to not to just throw up all my cards out here, but uh, NC State is the is the pick. If you want to throw like fifty bucks um, on uh, non favorite to win this conference early, uh, NC State plus eight hundred. It's very good value. Um, Pittsburgh plus fourteen hundred. Wake Forest plus sixteen hundred. Virginia at plus eighteen hundred, and then it really drops off in a really interesting way. Florida State plus three thousand, UNC plus three thousand, Boston College plus thirty five hundred, and they bring back Phil Dracovic. Um, Louisville plus five thousand, they bring back Malik Cunningham, and they get Tion Evans from Tennessee. Uh, Vatek plus five thousand, Georgia Tech plus twelve thousand, Syracuse plus twenty five thousand, and Mike Elko's Duke Blue Devils plus one hundred thousand. Good gracious um there's a drop off i i would say um after uh, before you get into this how many how many games uh does jeff collins georgia tech how many how many they need to win for jeff collins to be back in 2023 do they have to go to a bowl game like is that like they just the the ceiling might not even be that high it's like win like five games and they might show some progress i think he's got to get six and, it, like, maybe the most important thing is being competitive against Georgia to end the year. Like, if they're – if they end another season where it's, like, 65-7 to 7 against the Dogs. That, like, that would be Atlanta Falcons-type stuff right there. Mm-hmm. They go go 4-6 and six and then lose to Georgia by, like, 10. People are like, yeah, no. Yes. We should, maybe we can eat, we right. hang, hang around another year. Exactly. Like, that might be the most uh, most important, like, thing for him i don't know i just man i let's hope do that's this. not the the barometer I, I well hold on like this is Georgia an interesting should, should well, factor this, in well let's rank this because clemson's in an interest or this acc is in an interesting spot so new coaches at miami at virginia 
at um, Virginia Tech and at Duke. Who do you think has the best first season? Is it a lock that uh, if you had to rank in those four, who do you think has the best year once? I feel like Virginia Tech. They just they feel like the. You think they win more games than Miami next year? Oh shoot! I, I didn't even include Miami in there. Okay. No, no. I think Miami definitely wins the most okay. of, of the first year head coaches for sure. I was just in terms of being a ACC champion pick. I feel like Miami might be like the second best pick because I'm I'm with you. You know we're mm. we're drinking the NC State Kool Aid, um, and and just the, just the sheer numbers of this, like for Clemson to be such a heavy favorite, like yeah. you're not even getting that much for your bet, right? So. Like is DJ Uyunglele like, like are we supposed to expect an improved player in twenty twenty two? Like, I don't really think he showed anything to think like okay, now he's gonna like be our Taj Boyd or whatever. Like he's mm. I don't see that at all. So Miami feels like such the pick. I just don't trust Cristobal. Like it's just something about my like Cristobal. I guess more than anything because I think Miami has just a lot of the the tools there, a lot of like the bones that that would say that they're the team to pick for the ACC championship. And they, they avoid mm-hmm. Clemson on the schedule this year too, I believe. Um, I had it pulled up. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I went back and forth with Miami and NC State. I just, I feel like I, there's something I don't trust about Miami. But I, as far as the first year head coaches, I would definitely take them over the others. Miami feels like more of the long-term play to me. Still a lot of turnover this year. They're expecting a lot. And maybe if Tyler I'm sorry, Van Dyke... They do, play, they do play Clemson second to last week of the year. What would you Clemson. guess Crystal Ball's all-time win-loss record is? Well, they had some bad years at FAU, right? F- FIU. FIU. Mm. So he had some bad years there. So I'm, I'm, I bet he's around like 40 and 40 or something like that. He's 62 and 60. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. I didn't give him enough years, but yeah. I mean, but what's his? What's the the Oregon? But at Oregon, he was thirty-five and thirteen, so seventy-two percent win percentage. With a, a couple conference championships in there. Yeah, I and twenty twenty obviously messed that up. Uh, but the twenty twenty year, he was only four and three. Um, I don't but know. They did win the conference championship, right? They did, and, and they went to the Fiesta they Bowl. They didn't win the Pac twelve North. They, yes. they they still won the conference. Um, that was a crazy yeah. time. What a time to be alive. Um, he won nine games in year one at Oregon. So I think there's an easy path to Miami. Like, if you told me Miami won the ACC next year, I wouldn't be stunned. No, I agree with that. But I still think Clemson, like, they should win it. Like, Clemson, the drop-off shouldn't come yet. Like, a healthy Will Shipley should be huge for them. They still got a lot of talent from that from the recruiting classes years ago. Now, do I think that they're going to have this stranglehold on the ACC like next year or the year after that? I don't think so. I think the tides are turning, and I think it seems like they're kind of behind an NIL. I am worried about how Dabo is going to continue to adapt to this rapidly changing environment. Now that we've seen kind of where they're at without just an all-time great quarterback, they just had six, seven years straight of unbelievable quarterback play. Um, and they deserve credit for finding those guys and developing them and turning them into superstars. Like a lot of people can sign five stars and them not turn into anything. Like they deserve a lot of credit for hitting them back to back. But 
now we've seen like what Clemson kind of looks like. And it's funny because we talk about them like they went seven and nine last year and they went 10 and three. Like they won double digit games. It was just ugly. And people forget it's like they took Georgia to the wire. Like the defense was legit last year for Clemson. Like they, that was a physical slog. Like they were going back and forth and no one came out of that game looking like world beaters. People had questions about Georgia. It's like, are they going to score enough with this defense to win? That was a question coming out of that game. Because we hadn't seen the Stetson Bennett offense yet. Right, but Clemson did that, and that was in week one. So it was just the offense was so bad over the course of the year, but they got decimated by injuries. The recruiting just hasn't been great the last couple of years. They're not doing the top three classes anymore, and they still have enough uh, veterans who came in from those five-star, four-star classes, but that's going to change. I just yeah, think that, that they're tw- going to go away. I think you might be onto something. That 2020 class is is the class with Brucey mm-hmm. and um, and the other defensive lineman that I'm uh, Miles Murphy. Yes. Um. So that was like the, the that superstar class number mm-hmm. th- three ranked third overall. Like they're juniors. So mm-hmm. t- kind of to your point, once that class runs its course, it, it's not necessarily as elite. Like they still signed the fifth ranked class in 2021, and they were top ten I think last year 2022, but like that's not what they were like as as small like they were signing small classes I think yeah. a lot of the times with Dabo anyway but they were still getting some five star players like they were signing some some small but like elite yeah. classes Clemson had one five star in the 2022 class ten yeah. three stars nine four stars yeah so it's definitely gone downhill a little bit I think you know another ACC championship another playoff appearance then like you could see you know, then pick up right where they left off. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe right this now, is by the, the way. 30 second right now. Yeah. Oh, it's still early though. I can't, I can't be counting 2023. Yeah. Six months. They out? need to lay off what? my guy, Vic Burley needed him in Knoxville too. They need to lay off my guy from Warner Robins, Vic Burley need him in Knoxville. Oh, he's a, he's a dog all day, man. He's not a dog. <laughs> not a dog. Well, hey, he's from Warner Robins. I wouldn't rule it out. But um, I know he's a big-time target. But, yeah, mm. I, I'm, I don't know what to make of Clemson. I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of overreacting to what happened last year. But I think it's – like, we don't, we don't necessarily talk – like, we, we know about the injuries on defense. We don't necessarily acknowledge them, how big mm. of a difference they, they made. I think we all just – it all comes back to Uyunglele. And if, if he's not a difference maker, if he's not a guy that they can just, you know, can win them games, then I don't feel like they can win the ACC. Like, they're just not, they're going to get tripped up. Like, even Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson's teams, it's like those teams seem to get tripped up or come close to getting tripped up once or twice a year. Kelly Bryant, you know, those type teams. Like, this team is not those teams. And I think the mm-hmm. ACC, like, it's got a couple of these dark horse teams that, that could that could upset them. So, that, especially when you talk about quarterback play. Like, quarterback play is the ultimate X factor. Like, that can that can change a game. And if, if they're getting what they got out of Uyunglele in 2021, and they're running up against, you know, some of these guys, Brennan Armstrong, you know, the list, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, the list goes on, like... Devin Leary, there's a bunch of good quarterbacks in this conference that could potentially, you know, steal a game from them. So I, with how heavy of a favorite they are, I just don't like, I don't like Clemson this year. Okay. I don't hate it. What's your best value outside of NC State? Outside of NC State, like, if I'm just like taking a, I feel like after that, it's just kind of taking a long shot. 
I don't I'm probably hate Louisville at plus five thousand. Yeah, I don't hate that. I, I would say, and I was gonna say Boston College. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like I was, I was high on Boston College last year as a sleeper um, with Zay Flowers, and you know, if they get Jerkovic back, and if he's if he's the guy he was before, you know, maybe Boston College could make some noise, but. Yeah, the bottom half of the ACC, like maybe just Florida State out of just name recognition, like you know who knows, maybe they, maybe Mike Norvell gets them back on the right track. But I haven't really seen anything tangible to to think that that's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I am curious. Who do you think wins more games? Because both Virginia schools change coaches. Do you think Elliott or Brent Pry wins more games in year one? See, I'm going. I'm going Virginia Tech. Interesting. Because Elliott's, I mean, he's in, uh, like, Mendenhall did not leave that program in bad shape. It's not like he got fired. He retired from college football. Like, he was just like, I'm burnt out. I'm done. I'm going to no, go hang fair. out with my family. Um, and they got it's a great just... quarterback. They got a slinger, a gunslinger up there. Brennan Armstrong's back. The southpaw. No, that's fair. The The quarterback play is... is... I don't you even know who's going to be under center for... You, you, you may have convinced me. Maybe, maybe Virginia is... Uh... That's probably the play right there. I just Virginia Tech just always feels better than Virginia to me. Like they I mean, just, it's a better football. They're, program. they're sexier no. program. I always got to go with the the Hokies. What is that all time uh, rivalry record? Do you know? I don't. <laughs> off the top of my head, I know a lot of random things off the top of my head. Oh, what would you guess? I have Fun it in front fact, of me. Virginia leads the all time rivalry, forty eight to forty one. Oh, is that your guess? Yeah. You think Virginia wins the leads the rivalry? I don't know. I just, I just. Virginia Tech leads at sixty thirty eight and five. Sixty to thirty eight and five. Mm-hmm. I should have known that. Also, shout out to these. Not two the schools. actual number, but. Well, Virginia Tech has won the last two. Interestingly enough, uh, you know what's even more amazing? From two thousand four to twenty eighteen, Virginia Tech did not lose to Virginia. 14 straight years. Oh, wow. Quiet, kind of some quiet dominance there. Even better, both stadiums. Very short, to the point. South's oldest rivalry uh, was, uh, who is that? Uh, South's oldest rivalry? That's what they It's Virginia, it? North Carolina. Um, okay. Scott Stadium. You could, I would never have guessed what Virginia Stadium was called. I had no recollection of that whatsoever. No. And then you got Lane Stadium. I so, do love the, the the grass hill they got going on there. It's a classic. It's a classic college uh, look there. I would agree. Lane Stadiums, and uh, the, it's just one word, and then stadium. Very simple to the point up there in Virginia. They know what they're doing in Blacksburg and Charlottesville. Uh, Matt Green, we got to run, but uh, we can find you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. All your great college football content there. You should post the the um, the little I don't know graph graphic the, graphic the spreadsheet spreadsheet with the, with is the, the word schedule. I was looking yeah. for. I'll, yeah, let's put that out there. Yeah, see what uh, the people think about uh, those picks. So, Matt Green, always a pleasure. I greatly appreciate it, and I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. That'll do it for the thursday june 2nd 2022 edition here on the chase most podcast thank you again for checking out uh today's three-hour program here on the blue wire pod network go check out all of our other great shows across bluewirepods.com uh, if you enjoyed today's episode and you have not already done so make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and review on Apple podcast spotify um, if that is how you are listening today that would be great 
um, all that good stuff. Subscribe if you're not already on uh, your preferred podcast player. Tell a friend, family member, coworker about this very program and why you think they should listen and uh, you think that they might like it as well. Uh, tomorrow, Friday's edition of the program is going to be another three-parter. I think we got one more after that. Uh, so a lot of great content, a lot of hours of programming coming up uh, on this very feed. So watch out for all of that as we get back into the swing of things after a couple of days off for the Memorial Day weekend and all that. So uh, thank you for jumping back in uh, as we get uh, get back in the groove here and uh, all kinds of great content and great stuff on the way here on the Chase Almost Podcast on BlueWearPods.com. So uh, more episodes, more stuff tomorrow in your feed early in the morning. Ready for you guys. I will talk to you all then. All right. Thank you, Derek. How'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.